0: On today's episode.
1: The sinful nature is is never satisfied. There's always going to be pushing, there's always going to be expanding. And and that's what we see reflected with this. That you know, somebody who was satisfied, you know, being at this place on the spectrum, they don't feel satisfaction. They don't feel, okay, I, I've reached the point where I'm happy now. And so then they push on beyond to find something more, find a new identity that, you know, this is going to be the thing that finally I'll be happy. But you never can be happy
2: when you are pushing against God's design for things. Welcome to the Life Challenges Podcast from Christian Life Resources. People today face many opportunities and struggles when it comes to issues of life and death, marriage and family, health and science. We're here to bring a fresh, biblical perspective to these issues and more. Join us now for Life Challenges. Hi, and welcome back.
0: I'm Krista Potratz, and I'm here with Pastors Bob Fleischman and Jeff Samuelson. So today we're going to talk about gender and sexuality issues, and we we haven't done that yet at this podcast, so this will be our introduction episode into that, and it is not lost on us that June is Pride Month, and so this month we'll be seeing and hearing a lot more about these, these issues and these things going on. definitely. The media and the public really try to promote this agenda this month in particular. And it is really I mean, it's hard, you know, it's hard as a parent too to even I mean, even if I wanted to kind of shield my kids from that as well. You you go into a store, there's all the pretty rainbows around and it it it's just it's everywhere. And so because of that, we really wanted to take some time to talk about it. And so we want to talk about today what all of this is and what it means kind of for us as, as Christians. And we want to talk about what the different letters mean with the LGBTQ and, uh, and just different maybe terminology that that we hear, too, in terms of gender issues and sexuality. I guess a good place to start, though, is why is it important to talk about this as Christians? It seems like you can just categorize it like, okay, that's, I I don't want to know that stuff, or I don't want to know that, I don't want to really talk to my kids about that. But why is it good to have this conversation?
3: First of all, you know, I I oppose swindling people out of money, and I I oppose accountants juggling the books. Uh, I oppose cheating on taxes. So when those issues come up, I'm concerned, and the reason I'm opposed to them is because an objective standard by which I live by that says that you don't take what's not yours. That and so for Christians. The book by which we live by, which is the the holy scriptures, do talk about this. Now, I'm fully aware of all the documentation out there that has been generated by advocates of these gender issues um to try to explain away and so forth. But one thing you can't deny is that scripture does talk about it. Another thing you can't deny is that historically it's always been understood that that scripture speaks against certain sexual lifestyles, certain sexual activity. So when you're an adherent to scripture, it becomes a concern. Anytime somebody does something wrong, it's a concern. Anytime somebody does something wrong and there's a force out there that says that that wrong is right or that wrong is okay, and we're trying to raise our children and our grandchildren and so forth, then we have to say something. The challenge is is that there's a lot of mean-spirited talk that goes on Uh, around this topic, and I've always felt that Christians shouldn't be engaging in that mean spirited talk, and those who advocate for this shouldn't be engaging in that. The reason I feel that way is because, again, the same book that raises questions about it also says that if there's a correction that's due, you do it with gentleness uh, and patience. Nothing would make life easier for me on this topic than to say, well, to each their own. You know, you all just decide for yourselves as long as it doesn't bother me. But but the reality is, first of all, it perils them. You know, that's what scripture says. That anytime you engage in a sin and you actually embrace it as being right, it perils your soul. But also, doggone it, if you don't think it's going to affect other people, then why are you making such a big deal out of it? Why the flags? Why the marching? Why, the, why designating the month? Because it does affect all people. In fact, the agenda on on the other side is that all people should be accepting of it so yes so, so it does affect others so so even even the other side can't say teach their own because if they truly meant it then they'd be fine with my position and and let it go
1: yeah and to to the idea that very attractive in many ways of, you know, uh, well, we can just kind of ignore this and let those people do their thing and then it's not going to affect me and I'm just going to let's retreat into our little Christian ghetto and, and we won't have to deal with this. Well, that ship sailed a long time ago. This stuff is everywhere. It can't be ignored. I remember 10 or 15 years ago, there was a movement on the right to um, boycott, I believe it was Home Depot because they had somehow, they had uh, supported some kind of same-sex marriage drive or something like that. I, I can't remember the details, but nobody's talking about those things anymore because all the companies are there. Because all of this is is everywhere, and and it's also kind of like um, with the internet these days. There are people who are scamming people. There are phishing scams. You know all these kinds of things that people are out there on the the internet doing bad stuff. What's the proper approach to that? Talk about it. Warn people about it. Let them understand what's going on so that when they have to face it or people they know have to face it, they can clue them in and say, oh, oh, okay, I know what this is. Well, it's a similar with, with, with these issues of, of sexuality and, and gender. And we as Christians need to know what the things are that pe- people are talking about so we know how to, to guard against them in certain ways or just to understand them so that we understand where people are coming from, particularly when it comes to the matter of uh, our, our children and the people that we we have responsibility for. How how are we going to talk to them about it? How are we going to prepare them for these things if if, if we ourselves don't understand what they are?
0: So then when we kind of get into it then, I realized doing some research for this that the LGBTQ plus is actually an abbreviation for something quite longer than that. And the actual or all the current letters that we have now are L G B T T Q Q I A A plus. And the plus stands for uh, kind of a growing number of of things as well. So one of the things that we wanted to do today was be able to go through through these these words to just let everybody kind of know what is out there. So a good place to start would maybe be the original LGBT.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what it was when I was in college back in the eighties. And at that point, that was still kind of, you know, like, wow, that's encompassing an awful, an awful lot there that that was the basic you have the l for lesbian the g for for gay uh the b for bisexual and the t for transgender i think most of us understand pretty well what what the g and the l stand for i guess the the more technical term we'd say this is homosexual uh attraction and lifestyle and and such um you know lesbians women attracted to women um gay men attracted to men bisexual basically means um you are Both, you you have both heterosexual and homosexual interests, and um, I guess the the cruder term they use is you go both ways on that. And then uh, transgender—that's technically not or at least the way they they would approach it. Uh, it's not, you know, isn't really about sexual attraction. It's about the gender that you feel you are, that you were born uh, as a male with male characteristics, but at some point you decide that what you really are is a female, and uh, you do various things to change your identity to be that, and, you know, and vice versa.
0: So then from there, from the LGBT, the The next couple um, are, I guess, uh, maybe not newer terms, but they are now part of this as well. So there is another T for transsexual. What is that?
3: Transsexual actually would be a reference to a biological problem. It's, It's what's called an androgynous suppression condition in which a person actually has a kind of a mixed chromosomes. It's for centuries it was considered to be a birth defect. A lot of times in the the gay rights movement or the just gender selection movement, oftentimes its proponents like to confuse everything by pointing to transsexual and then saying that because there are transsexuals or people with both male and female characteristics therefore it it validifies everything else in terms of not just your biology but your disposition and so that's what transsexual is and it quite honestly i, I believe it's worthy of its own discussion and the um the, the gay movement if we just call it that they use it to muddy the waters
1: yeah, and I think it's also worth mentioning there is another term that you don't hear used much anymore, but it might might be helpful. Um, another T word, or transvestite, that used to be much more commonly used, and that was basically just someone who dressed up as a member of the other sex. But it wasn't necessarily I'm identifying as a member of the other sex. And it used to be that I don't know, twenty, thirty years ago, that w- the distinction was made between the transsexual who has the actual physical characteristics and the transvestite sometime in the fairly recent past, the transvestite idea, you know, pretty much disappeared and people seem to be going, well, if you're going to do that, go all the way and change your identity. I mentioned that uh, er earlier that, um, you know, back when I was in college in the eighties, it was just LGBT things have been expanding since then and it seems like every year maybe even less than that you know another letter gets added to this Mm -hmm. as you mentioned and uh, I think this is is um, it's illustrative of of what's going on here. It's as as the doors have opened, people keep pushing for more and more. We we would uh, characterize all of these things as in some way a departure from God's design for men and women, and and particularly for uh, for marriage and sexuality. And the sinful nature is is never satisfied. There's always going to be pushing. There's always going to be expanding. and And that's what we see reflected with this, that you know somebody who was satisfied, you know, being at this place on the spectrum, they don't feel satisfaction. They don't feel okay, i I've reached the point where I'm happy now. And so then they push on beyond to find something more, find a new identity that, you know, this is going to be the thing that finally I'll be happy. But you never can be happy when you are pushing against God's design for things.
0: Then there is another T that stands for the two spirit I guess two-spirited does mean a person who identifies as having both a masculine and feminine spirit. Mm. So I guess maybe more I identified and is used by some indigenous people to describe their sexual, gender, and or spiritual identity. From there, there are two cues, a cue for queer and another cue for questioning what is queer
1: well it's um as i understand it it's it's kind of an umbrella term we're we're gonna all of these things that are off the what used to be considered normal if i'm not quite ready to identify as lesbian or bi or gay or whatever i'm just going to adopt this it is worth pointing out that it's uh queer used to be a derogatory term and for many it it still is it's it's one of those 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 terms that somebody can say well I, i identify as queer and it's fine but if if you say you you queer that's that's insulting and so mm-hmm. it's it's one that you know we want to be aware of
0: now that there's the well the show that's been on for quite a while the queer eye mm-hmm. so yeah kind that, of embracing more of that yeah. term mm-hmm. then there is questioning which i i mean i guess i would just think just hearing that that would mean okay you don't really know where you, you again fit in mm-hmm. but is there more to it than that
3: well i would say what i think the really this is kind of the entry point for most everybody is they they reach a point where they're exposed to various experiences that has them questioning wondering doubting and um, a lot of times when when i'm been asked about it i'm i'm not surprised i mean there's i i view questioning in all areas of life and that's what it is and and in the it's been kind of venerated in the gay rights movement to questioning as a healthy process uh, and again it, what it is is it's it's trying to uh, jettison any objective standard of what is right and wrong uh, including even biology mm-hmm. and instead it's going for feeling and emotion
0: Next up we have the I which stands for intersex now when you were talking about transsexual that's kind of what I was, thinking of with the intersex, right? Because isn't that also a born condition?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe it's it's basically the same thing. I don't understand quite what the nuance would be to distinguish between them, though it might simply be that some people prefer to use one term for themselves and other people prefer to use the other. And so they, they include them both because, again, the list is always expanding.
0: Mm-hmm. Then we have... Two A's, the for asexual and ally. So with asexual, what would that be?
3: I encountered my first asexual case when I was handling Q&A for Wellsnet like 25 years ago or so. Somebody had written, just said, I don't feel an attraction towards men or women. I want to pursue my career. I want to do things. It's people who basically, it's kind of matter-of-factly, I, I, I'm... I'm born with a certain kind of plumbing and beyond that, it's, I have no desires one way or the other. Yeah. And the curious thing about that is why
1: society and the culture have basically pushed them to the point where they feel they need to identify in this way as, you know, like a, a, a group. It used to be that that was somebody who simply said, I'm not really interested. And that was that, Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's um, Paul in First Corinthians talks about, you know, the gift of celibacy. I mean, that would that would be great for the for a Christian in the church, but uh, for some reason, people, you know, they felt such a push from society. Well, you got to decide what you are. That they had to plant a flag and say, "Well, I'm asexual." Uh, well, it, it, it's just a curious thing, and I think you it's know.
3: closely aligned with the other A, which is ally, in that the reason the gay community has has embraced it as a as another selection, asexual. Because a lot of times people who identify themselves now in today's climate as asexual do so with this idea that just me, or in other words, they become an advocate of whatever flavor you wish to pursue, and they just have to say, but for me, I'm not going to pursue either one. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I've always kind of felt like with the term ally, too, it... It was just a way to kind of give everybody else a letter. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, all right, I don't identify with any of these things, but I still support people that do. I I, I want a letter.
1: Yeah, and and I I think we've basically reached the end here. And so we just say that the more they expand this, really, the less sense it makes that they all go together. I mean, they, they found that already just at the beginning of the, the list, so to speak, with the full push for transgender rights has actually begun impinging on some of the homosexual things because there are, and this, this is documented, there, there's tension within the movement, so to speak, because you have lesbian women who are really Proud of that, and then they have transgender women coming in to their communities and 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 such, insisting that they are women in just the same way <laughs> the others are. It's like, no, you're not,
3: and you know there there are issues with that. And on a collateral level, this this really has created some damage into the feminist movement because now now all of a sudden feminism is is almost oppressive to gay rights. I guess one of the terms we hear is identity politics and just leaving the
1: politics out, out of this there. What this really reflects is, you know, this, this search for identity, you know, it's like, I am not Settled with who I am. I need to determine who I really am. And because, you know, we, we live in a hypersexualized culture, then people think, well, this is the arena in which I need to find my identity. And it used to be more that people would find their identity by the things they held in common with other people. And now it's the trying to find the things that make you stand out from everybody else. And that's uh, fracturing, I'd say, to this movement. It's fracturing to society, but it really ends up being fracturing to the individual as well. Uh, because they're always trying to find this thing that that makes them unique and that stands out. They're always searching for that. And they're never actually, again, going to be satisfied with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's also a plus sign at the end, too, which right now there's the plus includes pansexual, agender, genderqueer, bigender, gender variance, pangender. It it would probably be growing as well, too. Are there any of those words that maybe we should kind of touch on or explain as well?
3: Well, I think all of them reflect what Jeff is saying, and that is, you're just going to continue to see a fracturing and a fracturing, trying to define everything, which is which is incredible because the movement is predicated upon getting away from what's called bi-gender, which is the idea that you're either male or female. Uh, and yet they're trying to give everybody, like you said, their own letter, give everybody their own identification. And all they're doing is they're just taking number two and expanding it.
0: I mean, I remember, too, a few years ago hearing a celebrity say that they were pansexual and thinking like, okay, what is that? Or how does that even differ from bisexuality? And I guess pansexuality is you're not attracted to somebody based on their gender. I guess bisexual, you could still be attracted to somebody based on their gender, but pansexual, you're like attracted to their personality. And (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I thought that was, I, I didn't know like why there had to be another differentiation with that.
3: And sometimes it might be of kind of a vain attempt to try to sound credible. You know, in other words, we've you know, we're we're dealing with this on a high intellectual level. We've mm-hmm. do, because people people are complex and we're trying to trying to afford the ultimate of individuality by by remaining credible in the way we talk about it.
0: Yeah. And even just too, like, okay, how does gender queer Differ than queer
1: the questioning is the point i think you know we, well i i don't know what it means so i'll just accept whatever you tell me it means and...
0: i know like when i go through this list i think wow how did we get here and i know there's always people that say okay well we've always had these problems in society or back like you know the romans or greeks i mean they're all doing crazy sexual things and but then I also like hear people like older people say, oh, yeah, well, you know, 50 years ago, we weren't dealing with all this crazy stuff that your kids are dealing with now. And so sometimes I just feel deflated as a Christian mom. How do I raise my children in, in a world with all this stuff? Where, where, do I, where do I go from here?
3: First of all, I would say practicing isolationism is not the solution. Uh, you're not going to be able to isolate i mean it's everybody I remember years ago when the movement really was catching uh catching ground that I would get questions from people saying they've established this like gender neutral bathroom where I work you know and or they'll talk about a coworker and i mean if you're going to you know we are by nature social people, so you and if you're going to to carry out the great commission, your mission field is Confused about these things, and even fellow Christians oftentimes get confused by them. So isolation's not the answer. There's a couple of things. First of all, Jeff made a, kind of a quick comment on it. He said, "Really, even the plus is all questioning." And I, I, I like to encourage people to begin with the questioning phase of it. And that is, there's all sorts of reasons why people question on sexuality. There's been studies that have talked about bad sexual experiences. When you were younger, uh, a molestation uh, experience, bad role modeling. But then the question comes in, could it, could it be nature? Could it be, could you be born this way? Could you, I I know I'm a male, but I really know inside I'm a female. Could you be, well, you know, there's, there's interesting biological research that's suggesting that hormones and so forth could be, you know, out of whack and so forth. But what I like to encourage people is, if somebody says I'm just I'm questioning I'm just not sure, accept it as a true statement that that they are questioning and so forth, and I and I'm glad you're questioning and not just jumping into it and making a radical decision. I'm always reminded of the fact that it is our natural propensity to do wrong. The Apostle Paul said, "The good that I would do, that I do not; the evil I would not do, that I keep on doing." In Romans seven. If you remember that we're like that, if we have this predisposition to always want to do the wrong thing, you should we should be questioning everything, and then you should be looking for an objective standard for what's right and what's wrong. And right now, the world wants to tell you your your standard is how you feel. And I want to suggest that if you're going to go with that approach, what about the person who says, I think, I should be able to have sexual relations with a child. That's where his feelings are leading. Or what about the person who says, I should be able to have sexual relations with an animal. That's where his feelings are leading. You know, you can't go with a subjective standard for right and wrong. There needs to be something objective.
0: Well, I mean, is there anything else that we can kind of encourage people with when thinking about these things?
1: What would Jesus do? You know, that's that's part of it. You know, how how would Jesus respond to people in our lives or in our society who uh, identify with any of these these letters of the alphabet? Or he never backed down from calling sin sin. That that is very clear. But he was loving, he was compassionate, he was patient. He dealt with the the sinners and the outcasts of society. There was no indication that he said, oh, don't worry about it, your sin's okay. But he actually would listen to them. He'd spend time with them. He'd say, you are worthy of my attention because I'm the one who can, can bring you salvation from your sin. And I think that's important. I, I read still far too frequently about supposed Christians going off with yelling at or having some very public negative reaction to to homosexuals or transgender people or whatever in public and such. And it's just like, that's that that that's not pointing anyone to Christ. That's not, you know, that's doing the opposite. That's, that's uh, fulfilling the worst ideas of, of what Christian Bible-believing people are, are like. It doesn't mean that we put our arms around everybody and say, hey, you're okay just The way you are. But it does mean that we take the time to understand where they're coming from, why they're in that position. We take the time to listen to what their concerns are. And, you know, we recognize that getting someone turned around from the wrong direction that they've taken is not likely to be a, well, I shared some Bible verses with them today. Tomorrow they should be fine situation.
0: It
3: doesn't work that way. The, uh, you know, well, I th- I think part of it too is that you have to start asking yourself, why are you not like this? Why are you not, you know, gay or lesbian? Why are you not bisexual? Why are you not uh, all of these things? And th- and the thing is, is that it's not a performance thing by which we earn God's favor, or the practice of our sexuality. When we practice our sexuality in the way that God's prescribed it in His Word, it basically is trying to. To demonstrate with our lives of our allegiance. I know people who are physically male who have same sex attraction. I know people who are physically, biologically female who have same-sex attraction. And they fight it every day. It becomes the, the the sin they wrestle with. And they don't give in not because they're hoping to earn God's favor or for fear of losing God's favor but rather they know the favor they have because of what God did for them. So when God says, I created man and woman, this is how we are to live. A man leaves his father and mother, marries his wife. All of that is God's design. The moment we step out of God's design, we're assuming that it was a nice thing you did for me with Jesus. It's just, I think you were wrong in this one. and uh, So I'm going to pursue. In other words, our own motivation for doing the right thing is not meritorious, but actually gratitude. I remember once being confronted by somebody who is who is practicing uh, a gay lifestyle, and they, they immediately want to engage me in an argument. And I always say, really, you don't have nearly the problem with me as you do with, with your creator. I said, that's where you have to settle it. And you can't settle it by simply saying, well, I'm at peace with it. Well, based on what? And again, I would go back to, is the mass murderer, he might be at peace committing mass murder. That doesn't make him right. And so you got to ask yourself, and I know that that annoys, annoys the bejeebers out of people to, to be compared to extreme, but but that applies to to all of us. I might say that the government government doesn't use the money wisely and anything, so I'm fine with, with cheating on my taxes, except... Since when do I adopt this new standard that's different from God's? When, when in reality, so if somebody else decides, well, I can, I can rob from your parents because I need to take care of my myself. Well, I don't think that's good. But if that's how they feel, they should be able to get away with it, right? Now, the reality is, our motivation for doing the right thing, even on gender issues, is to demonstrate to God our allegiance to Him. And but every Christian and Every Christian is fighting with a temptation, and it may not be sexual. It may be, it may be gambling. It may be alcohol. It may be slander. It may be gossip. Everyone fights with it.
0: You know, as a a, a parent too. I mean, I think I take my comfort in just knowing that God loves me and He loves my children, and they were born for this specific time in history, too. And that, you know, even though, I mean, I and other people may perceive this as a worse and terrible time, he, he still loves us very much. And he also loves all the people that have identified a certain way, too and that he may use me or my children to help those people kind of like what you were saying bob i mean just sharing the love and being the light to to so many people
3: yeah you can't you can't lose sight of the fact that god has an entire history of human existence and an entire geography of the world and he picks this time and this place to place you mm-hmm. and to place your children there, there, there's a greater plan in it, and we are to be forces of good and reflections of Christ. Asking the question, "What would Jesus do?" is a good question to ask. It it tones down the rhetoric on on Facebook. It it, it also has us willing to walk into situations that maybe aren't always comfortable, but you're you have a higher goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for talking to us today about these things. And we want to thank all of our listeners, too, today as well. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, we'd love to have you subscribe and give us a review wherever you hear podcasts. Thank you, and have a great day. Bye.
2: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. Please consider subscribing to this podcast giving us a review wherever you access it, and sharing it with friends. We're sure you have questions on today's topic or other life issues. Our goal is to help you through these tough topics, and we want you to know we're here to help. You can submit your questions as well as comments or suggestions for future episodes at lifechallenges.us or email us at podcast at christianliferesources.com. In addition to the podcasts, we include other valuable information at lifechallenges.us, so be sure to check it out. For more about our parent organization, please visit christianliferesources.com. May God give you wisdom, love, strength, and peace in Christ for every life challenge.